Yes, it's episode number 41 of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast. It's time to make that epic comeback you've been thinking about but not sure how to execute. Let's go. Welcome to the Divorce Resource Guy podcast with Jason Lavoie, a.k.a. the Divorce Resource Guy, a former divorce attorney turned divorce coach, talking about all things divorce, including the good, bad, and the ugly from an attorney's point of view. Remember, you're not alone. And now your host, Jason Lavoy. Thank you for joining me today on today's episode. I have a great guest and inspirational one uh, to talk with you today. I want to introduce to you Nikki Bruno, whose superpower is how deeply and powerfully she believes in people, individually and collectively. She believes in the interconnectedness of all living beings. She believes in everybody's right to pursue happiness, just like me. And she believes in embracing the inner personal power, as opposed to force, which is not at all powerful. You see, the strength of Nikki's belief ultimately led her to her calling at the age of 42, when she founded the Epic Comeback. She was put on the planet to be a coach, mentor, and educator, and to help people discover and inhabit their awesomest selves. And that's her word, but I love it. Awesomest should be a real word. So without further ado, let me introduce you, Nikki Bruno. Nikki, welcome to the show. I'm very excited to have you on as my guest today. Jason, I'm so happy to be here. It's an honor. Thank you. Yeah, no, this is going to be awesome. Um... So start off, this is what I do with with everybody I have on the show. Start off with a little bit of background, you know, who is Nikki at Bruno? And then how did, you know, where you were get you to kind of where, where you are today? Oh, yeah, there's a lot in there. There's a lot to say <laughs> about that. Um, so my name is Nikki Bruno, and I am the founder of a, co- a company called The Epic Comeback. And the backstory, I guess, is... Let's see. I am a a single mompreneur. I am in my 40s. I grew up in upstate New York and I come from a family of educators. So my career overall has involved education every step of the way. So I have been in nonprofit administration. I have been an English teacher. The majority of my career, I was in educational publishing. I worked for Scholastic and also for Prentice Hall as a book editor. Um, toward the end of that career, I started writing children's books. So I've got some a little bit of authorship in there, although I edited a lot more books than I wrote. And for 11 years, I ran my own editorial services business. And so I have been a solo entrepreneur since 2007. I've worked for myself now for 12 years, and I can't imagine life any other way. I know. You're, you're, you're uh, your own boss. You must love it. I love it. I love being my own boss. So what brought me to what I'm doing now is... Around the time my son was born, so about eight years ago, I was starting to feel really isolated in my editorial business. Again, as I said, I was on my own and I got a little sick of sitting in my living room with my computer on my lap, listening to the crickets and editing manuscripts. And I wanted to get back to doing something that had more of a direct person-to-person impact. So I played with the idea of becoming a therapist, and then I had a conversation with a a new friend who had been an internal professional coach for Polaroid, 
And she told an anecdote about a workshop that she ran or some kind of training she was doing. And something about the story sparked something in me. And I asked her if I could take her out to coffee and pick her brain about this thing called the coaching industry. So I did that. And I spent two to three months researching the coaching industry and asking the questions like, is this really a thing? What is this coaching thing? Do I have to start a new business in order to do this? Is this really a legitimate profession? How is this different from therapy? And those kinds of questions. And also, how do I get educated in how to become a coach? So as I went through this process of answering those questions, I realized that I am called to be a professional coach. It is a, a mode and an industry that is absolutely almost like tailor-made to my skills and my passions. There's nothing to me more fulfilling than helping another person to discover and rediscover how amazing they are and how they can really kick booty in their lives and reach their goals and dreams. It's amazingly awesome. And I know, Jason, that you can relate to that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you 100%. I think um, I also, you know, my track is a little bit different than yours, obviously. I uh, I worked in different fields before I even became an attorney. And then, you know, I became an attorney and did some divorce law uh, for a few years before I, I put my coaching hat on. But I'm with you that I think coaching just brings out the best in me. Um, and I feel like I could help so many more people doing it. Um, and you know, it, it's interesting though, the, the whole coaching industry, I mean, would you agree with me? I mean, it's still kind of like this, I feel like it's this new, everybody now is like using the word coach, calling themselves coaching and coaches. And for the, for the people that we're looking to help, you know, the future clients out there, I guess you, we, we can call them, they they, I feel like, still are not exactly sure what a coach is, what a coach does. You know, is it real? Is it legit? And so, do you find yourself constantly trying to like explain like the difference between what a coach does versus an attorney or a therapist and that type of thing? Absolutely, I do, and so much so that I created a section on my website that explains what coaching, what is coaching anyway? What's the difference between coaching and therapy? The difference between coaching and consulting, the difference between coaching and mentorship. And another thing that I've found because I've been a professional coach, both in Boston and now in Los Angeles, I moved to LA four months ago. And it's also a regional kind of phenomenon. So there are parts of the country and parts of the world where people are um, more highly educated or less educated about what coaching is. And I find that here in LA, there's more awareness of what coaching is than there was in Boston. Most people I think have heard of executive coaching, kind of leadership coaching, and also of life coaching, but don't necessarily really get the whole industry. So yes, it is, there's a high level of education, awareness, work, that goes along with, with finding clients. Yeah. But you know, it's all part of a, all part of the, the gig, if you want to call it that. And I think, but I think it's great. So uh, I, I love meeting other coaches like yourself and, and, and brainstorming new ideas and, and just getting the word out there. 
because what we do, I do think really fills the little or big void in, in the services that people can get to help them get through a divorce or their post-divorce uh, struggles and the epic comeback that we're going to talk about with you and what you do. So good job. Keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It was, it was a circuitous path though, because after I did the research about what coaching is, I went to coaching school. I went to a coaching school called IPEC and it's, it's a generalized program in the sense that folks who are educated at IPEC um, come out with the ability to pretty much coach anyone on anything. The idea is to become an expert on the coaching process. And then it's up to, it, it was up to me to establish what my niche was going to be. And my intention while I was going through coaching school, which um, generally takes you know, eight months to a year, was to open a brand new business as an executive and leadership coach. And what happened was, right around the time that I launched that business was when my marriage fell apart. And I did not have the bandwidth, the financial bandwidth or the emotional and energetic bandwidth to get a new business off the ground. So I ended up tabling my coaching business and defaulting to my editorial business during the three years when I went through a, a high-conflict divorce from my husband during that time of crisis and pain and complete and utter hell, <laughs> to be really honest. The, the, hence the definition high-conflict, right? Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. So, um, so my current business, The Epic Comeback, was born from me staging my own epic comeback after coming out on the other side of a traumatic high conflict divorce and turning around and realizing that my passion and my purpose on this planet is to extend a hand to women who have gone through a similar situation. I do work with some men too, because men go through high conflict divorces from high conflict individuals as well. Absolutely. And I help people not just to move on from divorce, not just to survive divorce, but to kick booty in their lives again and become the architect of a really incredible life that honestly is better than, better than what you've ever had before your divorce. Yeah. I, I think that's great. And I always, it amazes me that, you know, it's not great, obviously, that you went through a high conflict divorce, right? Okay. But it's, <laughs> it, it, it amazes me that like out of, you know, the most traumatic times in our lives often comes like these, these seeds of, I don't know what you want to call it, hope or like ideas that um, transform into what you're doing now uh, with the epic comeback, you know, it was, it, you wouldn't be doing this if you hadn't personally gone through your experience, right? A hundred percent. And what I talk about with my clients all the time, and also with guests on my podcast, I have a podcast where every one of my guests is a woman who has gone through one or more life shattering experiences, including divorce, but also including others. And what I have discovered is a real theme among my guests on my podcast, as well as my clients, and certainly in my own life, is that crisis is an opportunity. Crisis and trauma have 
hidden gifts inside, major gifts inside. I mean, if you think about kind of human behavior in general, a lot of times we get ourselves into situations that are not very healthy and we stay and we stay and we have this kind of inertia that causes us to stay. And even though we know we're unhappy, we don't do anything about it. It could be, I'm unhappy in my job. I'm unhappy in my marriage. I'm unhappy in my relationship with my sister. I'm unhappy with where I'm living. I'm miserable in my home. It could be any of those things. And most people, I would say, I'm not going to quote statistics on this, but most people kind of wait until there's some kind of crisis or some kind of moment that forces them out of that, of that difficult situation or that situation that they don't like. And that's kind of unfortunate because it would be great if we could be proactive in those kinds of situations and, and not wait until they get awful and unsustainable. Uh, another example of that is, um, is becoming elderly and not being in a place where you're ready to admit that it's time for you to have greater care and, and, and discontinue independent living, that kind of a thing. And the yeah, same with yeah. divorce. Yes. People stay in unhappy marriages for years, decades, lifetimes. And so what I am a big, a big fan of, a huge fan of, and actually kind of the, the whole premise of my business is take the crisis that either you have initiated or not of divorce and use it as a springboard to discover more about who you are, to become wiser, to become stronger. I mean, I haven't talked to anyone who has gone through a high conflict divorce who hasn't said, man, life, throw at me what you're going to throw at me, because if I can get through that, I can get through anything. It, uh, exactly. I'm so glad you said that because I almost uh, compare it to driving in a really congested city. Like, so let's take New York, for example, because I'm close to New York City. Like, if you can drive in New York City, I say you can drive anywhere. <laughs> yes. Except Boston. Boston, they're crazy. But Manila. I, I went to Manila, Philippines once. If you can drive in Manila, you can drive anywhere. Yeah, it's crazy there. <laughs> yes. Or Cairo. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I don't think I'd be I I don't think I'd be up for that. But yeah, it's the same type of thing. Like if you go through going through a divorce, a, a contested divorce is, in my opinion, one of the most traumatic events you'll ever go through in life. Um and you have to, while going through it is never pleasant and, you know, you're trying to get it over, get it over with. Um, when you're, when you're past it and you are hopefully in a better place and living that post-divorce life and you've made that, you know, what you would call the epic comeback, right? You, you can look and you take nuggets out of the, the trauma that you went through. Um, and because while it might not be related to divorce, if you can handle adversity, and get through it, then you could apply that to anything in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's yeah. so much that you learn. You learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about a lot about what your needs are. I mean, if you're open to it. So that's the, that's the difference, right? The, the mindset is really the difference. If you're open to and you have an attitude of learning and, and curiosity, again, this may not be possible during the worst of the worst, because during the worst of the worst, you're dealing with you are in crisis. You're in crisis mode. You're surviving. And right. 
once you get close to that other side or to that other side and you're in a healing process, there's so much to be learned and there's so much to be gained. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the healing process. Let's talk a little bit about that for a minute because what's, what's your opinion on, on that? You know, you go through a divorce, you come out the other end, it's over, right, with the courts anyway. Um, and now here you are, some people want to move on very quickly, you know, whether it's to another relationship or, you know, just, just move on to what they hope are bigger and, and happier times, and they should be. But sometimes they're not. Um, and, they don't, and there's other people who have that introspection and, you know, will go, you know, be in therapy for a while and, and put in the work to try to heal themselves. What's your viewpoint on the necessity coming out of a high conflict divorce to heal? And, and what does that involve? It's critical to heal whenever you, whenever it makes sense for you to do it, it's critical to heal because if you don't process the feelings, first of all, that's part of the healing. If you don't process the feelings, the incredible amount of anger, I don't care who you are. If you've gone through a high conflict divorce and you tell me that you're not mad about it, I don't believe you. <laughs> like <laughs> it, then it wasn't high conflict. <laughs> right, right. I mean, just the reality of the situation is that, is that, is that you are in conflict with a person yep. who, who used to be someone who you were the most intimate and loving with. So processing, processing those feelings, anger, grief, sadness, grieving, the grieving process is so important. Think about how many things we lose going through a high conflict divorce. I'll speak for myself. I lost my life partner. I lost half of my time with my children, which was the biggest blow by far. I lost money. I lost my home because I was the one who moved out. I lost some friends. I lost my close relationship with my in-laws. I mean, the list of things that you lose, if you don't go through that grieving process, it's going to come back and bite you. And so I don't judge people for wanting to move on quickly. I don't judge people for whatever process they want to go through. I just think there are really negative consequences if you don't heal because those emotions are going to stick with you. If you don't find a way to express your anger, your sadness, and your grief, they are going to come back years later. And so working with a therapist, a thousand percent, I can't imagine getting through a high conflict divorce in a healthy way and being able to process it in a healthy way without a good therapist. And I say a good therapist. Yeah, that's but the truth. That's the truth. Yes. And so I'm a coach. I am not a mental health professional. And I am a huge, huge proponent of coaches and therapists working together. We do different things. We are supplementary professionals. And if a person comes to me, a potential client comes to me and says, I want to work with you. And I talk to them more about their situation. And I can tell that they're still going through the depths of the healing process. And they're not ready to start take, making epic moves in their, li in their life. I refer them to a therapist. Good for you. Yeah, I, I, I always say, um, because I work with a lot of people going through the divorce process, right? Going through the trauma. Um, 
that, you know, you have to surround yourself with the right team, right. To get you through this. So, you know, in an ideal situation, you want an attorney, a therapist and a coach. And I call that the trifecta of awesomeness. And that's like (laughs) your base three. I didn't come up with the term, but I love it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. The trifecta. Right. I know it just rolls off the tongue trifecta. I did a, I did a whole podcast on that one, but, um, and then you can have other professionals like a finance professional, or if you need that and other ones, you know, as necessary. And, uh, if your resources permit, but like, you gotta have the bedrock support, objective support and, and therapy is, is crucial. As an attorney, I used to, depending on the, on the case, if it was really high conflict, I would, demand my client, my client would be in therapy. Otherwise I wouldn't represent them. Um, because I knew, well, you know, I knew what was going to come down the pike. And, you know, I always tell people, listen, I would, at that time I charged on an hourly rate as an attorney. I said, I'll talk to you as long as you want, but don't be surprised when the bill comes. And I much rather you use that time with a licensed therapist because I'll play one, but I'm not a licensed therapist. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I play one on TV. No, yeah. I I always tell people if I wasn't an attorney, I would be a therapist, but it, I couldn't get through the statistics. <laughs> <laughs> but clients want their therapists, I'm sorry, clients want their attorneys to be therapeutic. And my own my own attorney said to me, Nikki, save that one for your therapist because you're paying me whatever it was. I was paying her per hour and I appreciated that. That was very ethical of her. Yeah. And it's hard. There's a lot of overlap. You know, you can't, you can't deal with traumatic events without also dealing with the emotional component, but you know, that's not really the attorney's role. The the attorney is there to to guide you and advise you legally. Um, And that's the hard part, hard part about divorce is separating out, you know, the business at hand of the divorce, which is where your attorney comes in. And then the emotional uh, trauma and, and day-to-day healing and, and working through the issues with your therapist. Like it, you know, it's hard, but that's why you need the, the two professionals. Yep. I'm yep. with you. Awesome. So I digress, but <laughs> let's digress. It's fun. Right. I know it's, it's so much, it's so easy, but get, so you focus with people after the divorce who are trying to get back on their feet and, and, make this epic comeback, right? Would that be accurate? That's right. That's right. And, and so like, if you can generalize, and I know everybody's different, but how do you work with people? Like what are the stages uh, of coaching that you, you use with your clients? Yes. So while I was going through staging my own epic comeback, because I'm a professional coach and because I geek out on stuff like this, motivation and personal development and how do people actually, how do people actually take steps and reach goals? I kept track of what I was doing and how I was doing it. And the other thing that I was doing alongside uh, starting my new business and getting my body back into the best shape of my life and other epic moves, I was studying, geeking out on comebacks. So there isn't such a thing as epic comeback studies, but I kind of invented it as a study. Um, I studied I athletic, athletic comebacks, professional ones, um, personal and spiritual transformations. I studied celebrity com- comebacks like Ellen DeGeneres and Drew Barrymore and 
how people go from a state of being down and out to back on top. And from these studies, as well as my own personal experience, I created a journey, a framework that's called the Epic Comeback Journey. And this is the journey that I take my clients on because any really incredible comeback, most of them have the same elements or they all have some common elements. And so it's an eight step process that I work with my clients on and the steps aren't always taken in the same order. Everyone stages a different kind of comeback, but but the pattern is there. And so what emerged as a pattern has become my the model and the methodology for my business. And it begins with some kind of turning point. An epic comeback begins with a turning point when you make a decision that something has to change, when you are no longer willing to deal with the status quo and it's time for you to it's time for, for some big things to happen. For me, my turning point was about a year after I separated from my then husband, I looked in the mirror and I saw that what I already basically knew, which was that over the past two and a half years, I had gained 30 pounds. I hadn't been exercising. I had been eating comfort food and basically healing. I, I, was, I kind of went fetal <laughs> and got really comfortable for about a year and made sure that my life was as mundane as possible because I was recovering from being going through two and a half years of crisis. But the, the moment I looked in the mirror, I said, I am no longer going to be a victim. I'm not going to feel like a victim. I was an adult when I got into my marriage and I was an adult when I got out of it. And so I am going to get my mojo back, which I had completely, almost completely lost. So that was the turning point. And the next step I call reckoning. It's like an assessment of where you are, where you're saying, okay, I'm going to be really brutally honest with myself. Here's what I've lost. Here are the things that are stacked against me. And just as much, just as important, here are the things that I have in my corner. These are my talents. These are my skills. These are, this is what I bring to the people in my life. This is what I bring to humanity. This is what I bring to the universe. So it's, it's an assessment. And then the, the step after that is clearing. I call it clearing, getting rid of the things that you don't need, whether they are internal aspects of your belief system that you no longer need, or whether they're external, just stuff that you no longer need. Do you have to Marie Kondo your home? Do you have to get rid of some relationships? Maybe you're in some toxic relationships with people who don't support you unconditionally and who actually are kind of harmful to you and don't match where you want to be in your life. So that's clearing and then creating an epic vision, creating a vision of what do I want my epic comeback to be like? Where do I want to be six months from now or a year from now? And then that's followed by making a plan and then taking action on the plan and then troubleshooting anything that may or may not go wrong while you are implementing your plan. And of course, something is going to go wrong. So it's important to anticipate that. Right. And then the last step of the process is what I call the epic launch. It's kind of like, it's kind of like your debut as the epically changed human being with your mojo back and your swagger back. So it could be a party. It could be just you doing some kind of private ritual in your home. It could be launching a new business any kind of sort of symbolic gesture that says, I am back. Here I am again. I've, I've come back to myself. I love it. 
I love it so much. I think it's great. Um, and when you were talking about the, um, what was it? Was the word clearing? Use the clearing? Yes. So I, I just think personally, when I hear that, I think of like cleanse, except like, you know, one, like a, when you do, people do those body cleanses and, yeah. and so I kind of analogize it to that, but then without like the yucky green juice that you have to drink first. <laughs> <laughs> or, with, or with it. Yeah. No, I mean, that completely applies. People definitely, I would, I would totally recommend to my clients that they try a cleanse if it appeals to them, if they like the green juice. Yeah, no, but I, but I like I like what you're doing. You're like you can you can do it, get the same effect, but without the green juice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's like a it's like a um, figurative cleanse. But um, yeah, um, I, I I think it's I think it's great. How long? And again, I know everybody's different, but on average, like how long is your engagement with somebody who's working with you through this program? I have three different lengths of basically the same program. One of them is a 90 day intensive. And in a 90 day intensive, I do not expect my clients to stage the entire big kahuna epic comeback. I also work with clients for an entire year. And it's a year long engagement where we partner up to make it all happen. So really stage an epic comeback in the areas of your life that that apply, right? So some of my clients start out and they say, you know, there are some things in my life that are going awesome and there's nothing I would change. My career is great and I love my friends. I have a fantastic social life. So we say, okay, great. You know, we look at the the good old wheel of life, which I'm sure you're familiar with, Jason, and we yeah. say, what are the aspects of your life that are kind of in the crapper right now? <laughs> and, and what do you want to change? So, um, so it really takes sustained time, as you know, to establish that coaching relationship and to create the vision, create the plan, and then start implementing it. So and my so- ideal way to work with clients is over a year, actually. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And so let's say you're working with somebody, you know, for a year. Um, how often are you actually talking with them? Is it over email? Is it via, you know, video calls? I meet with my clients either once a week or once every other week. That's up to them. Sometimes it's up to what we're working on. So, for yeah. example, at the end of a coaching session, if my client is committing to taking a certain step, like, let's say doing research into their industry to, to try to find out the options or possibilities for starting a business. Let's say it's something like that. And they know that it's going to take them more than a week to, to, to do that task. Sometimes we'll say, all right, let's check in in two weeks then because that makes more sense. And then between sessions, each of my ses- sessions is an hour long. And then between sessions, my clients have access to me. They can they can email me, they can text me, they can call me. And then I guarantee that I'll get back to them within a certain amount of time. Uh, Generally it's a business day. And if one of us is on vacation, obviously we were able to go off the grid. But the idea is when I commit to working with a client and a client commits to working with me, we are partners, we're buddies, we're a team. And so I give my clients an incredible level of energy and commitment. That's great. 
That's great. Um, and again, I think the whole thing is, is awesome. So uh, good job. Not that I'm like, I feel like I'm a teacher saying good job, but that's not what I mean. But Thank you. you. We're you, colleagues, Jason. We're colleagues. I know. That's what it's like. But it, I just love it when, you know, I talk with other people like yourself who are, who are, are offering these types of programs. I just think it's so important. Um, and, but it's up for the people who are listening to, to want to take action and, and invest in themselves and, and know that, you know, you can't try to do it alone. It's just so difficult um, and it won't be as effective, not nearly. I agree with you. And what I say to people who don't really know much about coaching, and most of us don't know much about coaching. I didn't know anything until I did. So what I tell most people is that working with an excellent coach, and I mean an excellent coach with good credentials, someone who has a track record and someone who is educated and trained as a coach, can Move the needle in ways you wouldn't even believe in your life. I've seen it with my clients. I've seen it in my own life because I always work work with a coach. It's really important for coaches to have coaches. Sure. And then for them to have coaches. I mean, the most successful people in the world do not do it alone. They have mentors. They have been sort of apprentices to people. They have coaches, maybe an executive coach. They have help. And so people, what I say to my clients is, okay, look. You have this goal that's burning in your belly. Let's say, and I'm just going to use the example of starting a new business, or it also could be finding a new partner. Um, but let's say starting a new business because a number of my clients want to do that. It's kind of the thing to do these days is to start your own business. So let's say you want to start a new business. What I say to my clients is you can do that by yourself. I did it by myself. I didn't have a coach when I started my editorial services business. But the thing is, a coach is an accelerator. A coach is somebody who helps challenges you, helps challenge you, who holds you accountable, who is your cheerleader, who keeps helps keep you focused on the end game, who helps keep you focused on your goals. So yeah, if you're a super competent, super intelligent, high achieving person, you bet you can start a company on your own. But do you want to start your business and become successful and profitable in it in five years, or do you want to start your business and become successful and profitable in it in? a year and a half. If you right. want the year and a half, hire a good coach. Yeah. It, 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 and the payoff is that, you know, while you're investing in it up front, the payoff at the end, um, you know, will not only pay for itself, but, and then some, right. So. Absolutely. That's, yeah, and that's, yes. Yeah. That's the idea there. Um, what an awesome uh, conversation. Thanks so much, Nikki, uh, for sharing what you do with everybody. Where can they find you? I can be found on my website, which is theepiccomeback.com. And I can also be found on Instagram at theepiccomeback. And I'm on Facebook. Um, people can look me up, Nikki Bruno. I do most of my posting to, um, to that profile at this point. Awesome. You're everywhere. Uh, <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn too, Nikki Bruno, N-I-K-K-I-B-R-U-N-O. Yeah. I'm going to put all these links in the, in the show notes. So if you're listening, don't, you know, uh, and you're driving, like don't run off the road trying to write this stuff down. Um, so that'll be all on the show notes on my, on the website podcast page, uh, not the iTunes or wherever you're listening page. So that's where you can find all this information. Um, Nikki, thank you so much again for being my guest and we'll definitely, uh, have to talk in the future. There's a lot to talk about. Thank you, Jason. This has been a great conversation.
All right. Thank you to Nikki for that excellent conversation. And I guess the moral of this story, just like other ones that I've had with other guests, and if you've noticed, uh, there seems to be a repeating trend uh, when we're talking about divorce and how to best get through the process, and that is surround yourself with the best team possible. Surround yourself with the best people uh, possible. Positivity, positivity. I refer to it as your trifecta of awesomeness. It could be more than three people. It doesn't matter, but they have to be positive, objective, and ideally professionals to help you get through all this uh, because it's really hard to get through it alone. You really shouldn't have to get through it alone, and you don't have to. That's the point we're all trying to make. So sometimes you hear it over and over again, and sometimes it takes you know multiple times before it clicks and before you're ready to take action. Um, that happens all the time. So with that being said, if you have been thinking about it and you are ready to take action and get some help, some direct coaching with me uh, for your divorce, check me out, jasonlavoy.com. Uh, look at my various programs. I customize programs to fit your personal needs. If you don't find one uh, that you think is suitable, I'd be happy to hop on the phone and talk with you about your situation and how uh, I can help. But you got to take action going to want to help and you got to be ready to make that epic comeback for yourself too right so for now all i'm going to ask you to do is be strong act confident stay positive i'm jason lavoy aka the divorce resource guy and i will be talking to you real soon